0: Fly Fishing Internet Radio, your source for learning more about fly fishing in cold water, warm water, and salt water. Hello, I'm Roger Maves, your host for tonight's show. On this broadcast, we'll be featuring Mike Hogue, and he'll be answering your questions on fly fishing, the Finger Lakes region of New York. This show will be 90 minutes in length, and we are broadcasting live over the Internet. If you'd like to ask Mike a question, just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and use the Q&A text box to send us your question. We'll receive your question immediately, and we'll try to answer as many of them as possible on the show tonight. And while you're there, make sure you sign up to receive our announcements so you don't miss out on any of our future broadcasts. You'll see a form in the right-hand column of all our web pages, and just fill in your name and email address, and we'll keep you informed. This broadcast is being recorded and will be available for playback on our website about 48 hours after the show ends. You can also find it on any of the podcast distribution sites like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, Feedspot, Player FM, or any of the other platforms you might be using for your your podcasts. And if you have to leave early tonight, you can return to our website or any of those distribution platforms at your convenience and listen to the recording at any time. If you're out and about on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, we'd sure appreciate it if you share our podcast. And when you do so, use the hashtag AskAboutFlyFishing. In fact, if you have a moment, do it right now. You can actually see uh, sharing icons on the, um, the home page of our site by my show uh, description there. So you can use those to share the show tonight. The content of this broadcast is copyrighted. It's the property of the Knowledge Group in doing business as Ask about fly Fishing. When we return, we'll be talking with Mike Hogue about fly fishing the Finger Lakes region of New York. Douglas Outdoors is a manufacturer of premium quality fly rods, raising the expectations that anglers should expect in componentry, design, engineering, craftsmanship, and in turn, performance. Led by head rod designer Fred Kuntui, Douglas has achieved award-winning rods featuring eye-opening strength to weight ratios and dialed in technique-specific actions and tapers that cater to a host of different species. Douglas Outdoors has a true deep lineup of rods ranging from 12 weights for monster tarpon to two weights for tiny brook trout and everything in between. Check them out at douglasoutdoors.com. That's douglasoutdoors.com. Before we introduce Mike, we'd like to let you know about the great prizes we have to give away tonight. For our drawing tonight, we'll be giving away a one-year membership to the Fly Fishers International and a one-year subscription to the Fly Fishing and Tying Journal. So you have two chances to win tonight in our drawing. Now, if you haven't registered yet for the drawing, you can do so now. Just go to our homepage at askaboutflyfishing.com and look for the link under Mike's section that says, click here to register for our drawing. Click on that link and fill out the form, and we'll announce the winners at the end of the show. We'll also be giving away two dozen uh, Finger Lakes flies, courtesy of Mike Hogue and Badger Creek Fly Time. So here's how you can win these great selection of flies for the local area up there in uh, Finger Lakes. Um, you have to be the first person that answers the question or questions I ask at the end of the show. And uh, it will be about something that Mike and I talk about during the show, and just submit your name and your location along with your answer on the home page where it's the same place you ask questions during the show in that text box. So put your answer there when the time comes. Take some notes during the show, and maybe you'll win that uh, nice dozen flies from uh, Mike Hogan and Badger Creek fly Time. Our guest tonight is Mike Hogue. Mike, originally from the Midwest, is the owner of Badger Creek Fly Tying, based outside of Ithaca, New York. Badger Creek is a full service fly shop that sells flies, fishing, fly fishing tackle, fly tying materials, accessories, and has been in the fly fishing business for over 25 years. Ithaca, New York is an area famed for its gorges, wine, and craft beer trails, and is a home to Cornell University and Ithaca College. Ithaca was selected as one of the top outdoors communities by Outside Magazine and has won many awards for its unique character and local charm. Mike is also an accomplished author, and his articles have appeared in many national and regional magazines. He has also given seminars and presentations to area clubs, fly fishing conclaves, and several shows. Mike is also a member of the Catskill Fly Tires Guild, Trout Unlimited, the Federation of Fly Fishers, the Catskill Fly Fishing Center, and has served as an officer, director, and board member for many of these organizations, this follow-up. Mike will once again have a booth at the International Fly Tying Symposium and many of the East Coast fly fishing shows uh, during the show season. Mike, welcome to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio. Good evening, Roger. Well, good to have you. And uh, on this fine summer day, and we're uh, uh, we're having a beautiful day here in Colorado. Looking for some rain tomorrow, which we always. Like uh, to kind of uh, soften things up. What about you? How's weather out there been?
1: Oh, we've had some just beautiful, fantastic days. Uh, just, you know, 70s, 80s, low humidity, not rain, just wonderful fishing days. And uh, we're going to warm up a little bit here over the next day or two and maybe get some rain to, you know, raise up some of the streams and whatnot a little bit. So that'll be good.
0: That'll be good. Yeah, water's always good. Yeah, so, um, so we've got a lot, of t- lot to talk about. Um, uh, you know, the Finger Lakes region of New York is, uh, as you have told me uh, before the show, maybe, you know, you have to kind of go there to get there, right? I mean, it's not really on the way to uh, anywhere um, in particular. So, But tell us, you know, we've got people listening from all over the country and all over the world. So tell us where the Finger Lakes are and, and how one would get there. Well,
1: we are essentially, if you draw a straight line between Buffalo, New York, and New York City, we're exactly in the middle. So it's 250 miles in either direction. And we're, you're bounded on the north corner by Rochester, on the uh, north, northeast corner by Syracuse, and then we're slightly above Binghamton. And if you look at an aerial map in New York, there's these giant scratches. And they look like fingers on a hand. That's where they get the finger lakes from. The lakes, there's actually 11 of them. And they are in various sizes and configuration. But what makes this area so drastically unique is that this, these are alpine lakes. They're not dams. They're natural. They're originally from seas that evaporated or you know moved over time, and glacial movements and whatnot. So they're very deep canyons. So the lakes are very deep and very long. Uh, There's quite a long history here on the local lake. Uh, General Electric, during World War II, tested submarine sonar out here, for example.
0: Oh, wow. Um, Because of the water was
1: Sorry?
0: I said it had to be pretty deep for that, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. so the uh, uh, lakes are extremely deep, and uh, they're very cold water resources. And uh, we have virtually all of the species of freshwater fish that are available to catch, we can catch in the lakes and streams and the tributary rivers and that sort of thing. Right,
0: right, right. So these were formed by evaporating lakes. And were were the gorges created through glaciers, or were they? Yeah, there were glacial
1: movements in here long ago. There was a large sea, and we actually have the largest inland salt mine contained underneath the lakes. Uh, that's used for salt purposes for the roads here. It uh, is a very extensive connection of things now at this point because it's very old, but this was an old uh, uh, seabed area and so it's very rocky with uh, a lot of sharp, aggressive edges. The uh, shale, when they talk about the Marcellus shale and the shale fracking that they were interested in, this is actually one of the prime regions is because of the shale rock here uh, that was compressed over many, many years. So uh, it has lots of interesting geological things as well. The streams actually flow north here, whereas a lot of things might flow south and end up in the Susquehanna and go out to the oceans. But the rivers and things actually flow north and go out that way.
0: So uh, that's kind of an unusual feature we have. Right, right. Now you also told me that um you know as far as coming to the finger lakes to fish, which we're going to talk very specifically about the fishing there in a few minutes, but um you had also mentioned there's a, just a, a ton of things to do and see and so if if one wanted to take a fishing slash uh, vacation there and uh, and do a few other things there's there's plenty to do so why don't, why don't you fill us in on some of the, the, the cool things that that area offers um
1: This is a tourist area. It's a tourist center because of the universities. And we also have what's called the wine region. Our wine region is similar to the Napa Valley area. And the next lake over, Seneca, they have what they call the banana beach. So there's a kind of a shoulder. And the wineries are tucked under there because the wind blows across from the west over the top of them. And it stays relatively warm, for us anyway, down by the lake. So there's the wineries, and that's a big resource that's been developed over many years. And then the craft beer thing started a few years ago, and then that's really taken off. Uh, we also have a lot of long-term cultural heritage here. The um, Tubman House from Harriet Tubman from the Underground Railroad is up at Auburn. And then Seward uh, was a Secretary of, uh, uh, I think, the Interior, and he bought Alaska. His house is up there. And then the, uh, you go over to Seneca, and which is Seneca Falls, is loosely based upon the uh, uh, Bedford Falls, and uh, it's a wonderful life movie. And uh, that was also home to the women's suffrage movement with Katie Dean Stanton. Around here, we used to have a silent movie group. And there's a little village where friends of George Eastman of Eastman Kodak lived, And they filmed a lot of the silent movies here. The Perils of Pauline was filmed around here. And uh, several of the other silent movies.
0: Um, I suppose there's um, also a lot of outdoor activities that one could uh,
1: participate uh, in? It, There's With the gorges we have, there's hiking. And uh, you can certainly kayak and boat here. There's an extensive bike trail. And uh, then there is also uh, a lot of activities related to the universities, depending on you know, what they have going with you know, plays and concerts and shows and discussions and things like that. Uh, so it's a regional cultural center, if you will. Um, and the uh, scenery is incredibly spectacular. We have eight major waterfall gorges and within one of the gorge regions, I believe there's 120 separate waterfalls. And our nickname in Ithaca is uh, Ithaca's Gorges. So it's a little play on gorgeous, but it's the Ithaca's Gorges. So uh, that's a famous name that we have here. And then there's a little waterfall for the eye. So we have lots of waterfalls here. Right, right.
0: So um, let's talk about fly fishing up in that area. We're gonna, and there's as you said, how many lakes, again, are, that are considered?
1: There's 11 total lakes in the region. Oh. There would be four primary lakes. The four primary lakes would be uh, Seneca Lake, then Cayuga Lake, which is an Indian name. It's Cayuga. And then there's uh, Skinny Atlas and Owosco. Uh, Skinny Atlas is the uh, water supply for Syracuse. Cayuga Lake supplies the county for Ithaca. And then... Uh, Rochester pulls off of another lake, uh, Hanoi Lake, further on west of us. And then Canandaigua's certainly got a water supply over there that they pull out of their, their lake. It's interesting. The water's so pure, they just literally pump it right out of the lake. There's no really treatment or anything. They just pull it right out of the lake. Wow. Wow. That's hard to come by nowadays. <laughs> yeah. uh, the lakes are crystal clear and pristine. Uh, very spectacular to look at.
0: Cool. Cool. Now, uh, let's start talking about these lakes. Um, what I'd like to do is talk about those four top lakes you just mentioned, and then take each one of those lakes and talk about the fishing not only in the lake, but around the lake. Because as I understand, there's uh, there's lake fishing, there's stream fishing from the tributaries coming in, and then we can talk about the combination when those two combine to create migratory fishing uh, situations. So. I'd like to take each one because, um, uh, and, and then talk about the species that, that would be best for us to fish in that particular lake region, as we might call it. So why don't we start out with the Wasco and um, fill us in a little bit. Uh, we did get a couple questions. Uh, let me preface this from, from Tom Melville and Lee Smith. And they're wanting to know about wade fishing opportunities. So we, we probably want to touch on that on each one of these areas on uh, the wade fishing opportunities. So let's start out with the Wasco, and um, let's talk about that lake um, and, and the area around it. Is is that uh, a lake we would fish by boat or shore, or uh, when we talk about fishing the lake itself? And uh, why don't you explain uh, the, the aspects of, of fishing these lakes, because uh, easier said than done, I, I take it.
1: Well, that you have to realize that lakes are very deep. They're very cold. and that There are certain times of the year which are appropriate to fish them, and certain times of the year which are very difficult. Um, And then each lake would have an inlet and an outlet. So in a Wasco, you have a Wasco outlet, and uh, then that is actually a dam up by the city of Auburn. There's two dams in there, so you can fish in there. And what's interesting is it's a tailwater, so you can go up there in the hottest day of the summers and fish the little tailwater in Auburn right in town there. And that's part of their water uh, system. They have a—it's about a, I'm guessing maybe 120 foot deep uh, little reservoir between the two reservoirs. And then there's a marina up there, and then you can fish right up there behind the high school. So somebody's looking for an opportunity to wade fish, you can fish right there at the high school at Owasco, and uh, catch smallmouth until you're, you know, you're tired of those guys. And Owasco's uh, uh, personality has more rainbows perhaps than anything. I think there are some walleyes in there. There's a few salmon in there. There are brown trout in there, and there are certainly smallmouths. And it depends on the structure and the tier. So at different levels within the lake, you're going to have where the fish hang out during the summer. They'll stratify, and then the fish will hang at different levels. And so a lot of the trolling activity is what's done for some of the deep cold water fish that'll stay at 90 and 100 feet, and then some of them will hang up on a shelf, and then some of them will be in the shallows. And um, so a Wasco, you're going to catch more migratory rainbows than anything. But there also are brown trout in there that come in the streams. And then there are smallmouth that'll come in, too. And uh, there's certainly perch. And uh, I think there's some walleyes in there, too. They put some walleyes in there as an experiment. Uh, I don't really think those took too well. But,
0: uh, uh, but you have a Wasco Inlet
1: and a Wasco Outlet. And a Wasco Inlet is a stream that runs, oh, I'm going to guess it's about 12 or 15 miles long that you can fish pretty much the whole thing.
0: And wade fishing?
1: Yeah, that would be wade fishing. There's a kind of a swamp and a wetlands area that where this starts, it's kind of a spring and it's in a wetlands, and then it uh, trails into town. And then little feeder streams kind of feed into it. And then as it gets uh, up to the town of Moravia, then it, it'll, uh, that's where the inlet is, for the, uh,
0: where it flows into the, the lake itself. Okay, um, and with rainbows, are there resident rainbows
1: in that stream uh, year round? Uh, Wasco Inlet probably has the largest concentration of wild rainbows. There's a, many, many fish in there. The population count on that is really good, but there it tends to be the stream ones tend to be very small, of say five, seven, nine, twelve, maybe fourteen inches. They're not exceedingly large. But then, when you get the lake-run fish mixed into that, there might be some residents that hold over or get stuck, or that kind of thing. Or they're not—you know—they come in, and then the water pulls down, and then they're kind of stuck there for the spring or something until it jumps up again. So, uh, but the stream fish are a little bit small, but there is a, a multitude of fishing there. And uh, you know, it's a stream—that's well—I would guess 15, 20 feet wide, and it flows mostly through farmland. Um, most of that is public access. There are public access points that are posted by the the state. They have a little state parking area with a state sign that's well marked.
0: Okay, so um, so uh, let's take a, a quick break here, and I want to come back to this. I want to know what your approach to this area would be for for the best fishing and and uh, the kinds of flies and so forth, and the, and the presentations we might be using there. So hang tight here for just a minute, Mike, and we'll be right back. Baja Fly Fishing Company is dedicated to fulfilling your vacation dreams. And just so there's no mistake, they derive as much pleasure helping a novice improve as they do fishing with a pro. From the casual to the hardcore, they can match your expectations with their experience and coaching. If vacation with Baja Fly Fishing is more than a fishing trip, it's a full-on Baja experience. That you will remember forever. They know the Baja after 40 years of traveling its backroads, kayaking its shoreline, surfing and snorkeling while pioneering the fly fishing techniques that have evolved into the tactics used today. They are well versed in fly fishing the beach and kayaks on panga's and are well versed in all tackle types. Join them in pursuit of roosterfish, dorado, marlin, sailfish, wahoo, jack crevalle, the elephant, skipjack, and many other species. Learn more about Baja fly fishing by visiting their website at BajaFlyFish.com. Again, that's BajaFlyFish.com. you're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio, we're talking with Mike Hogue about fly fishing the Finger Lakes region of New York. If you'd like to ask Mike a question, just go to our home page at AskAboutFlyFishing.com and uh, use that Q&A text box to send us your question. We'll try to answer as many of those questions tonight uh, as we possibly can. Well, Mike, I always ask my guests what's going on in your fly fishing world. And uh, so tell us a bit about your business up there, what you do up there, and, uh, and how people might get a hold of you and, and so forth.
1: Well, uh, Roger, we've had probably the most interesting year. This will be our 25th year. Um, this fall will be starting in our 26th year. But uh, we do mail order business. We have a little walk-in store. And uh, then we have an Etsy site. We have a website then we also typically are at many of the northeastern shows that are run through the Prominsky fly fishing show. And then a lot of times I'll do some of the TU and uh, FFF shows or uh, sometimes things with the Catskill Fly Fishing Center in the region, depending upon you know what's open and what my schedule is. We sell rods, we sell tackle, we sell flies, and uh, we're perhaps best known for our uh, natural fly tying materials. We have one of the most extensive collections of uh, soft tackle fly tying materials. And uh, we have a lot of imported goods. Um, I'm not sure on the exact count on the product line numbers, but we stock several thousand different things. So uh, it's a pretty tiny little store. When you come in here, you can't believe how packed it is. And uh, people are also amazed at the shows how many things are actually on display.
0: So people uh, can stop by if they're in the region and and, uh, shop there at the store?
1: Yeah. So if you're Uh, in the area of fishing, you know, we've got leaders, we've got rods, we've got lines, we've got flies, we've got split shot. We can tell you places to go. Um, And if you're interested in guides, we can connect you with some other folks that guide, but we don't guide or book trips or anything. Okay, okay.
0: Uh, And what's the URL of your website?
1: Um, it's uh, www.eflytire.com. Now our website's 25 years old. We're in the process of creating a new one, and uh, it's really showing its age. There's, it's definitely old. Um, we're going to be putting up a new website. I hope this fall. We've got a lot of that outlined and uh, laid out. Uh, we have to populate the store with all of the different line items and the colors and the sizes. As you can imagine, with you know, beads and hooks and threads and little tiny things like that. How many different possibilities there are, but there are yeah, much more than you might think.
0: Yeah, a lot of skews. So it's e-fly and then t-y-e-r dot com. So yeah, there you go, mm-hmm. folks. All right, well check it out, and you can uh, keep in touch with. Uh, you've got some articles out there too. I know you uh, sent me one, which we will post on our website about fly fishing. Uh, the the Finger Lakes. Uh, And that's on your website directly there too, right? Yeah, and the reports, yeah. Okay, so we'll link you up to that as well. Um, Okay, let's get back to then, uh, thanks for sharing that. And uh, let's get back to talking about uh, Owasco Lake. Um, You said there's Lake uh, Lake Run uh, rainbows. So that's going to be um, in the spring, I take it?
1: Yeah, the Lake Lake Run rainbows come in the spring. Typically, uh, you have a large snow runoff, uh, say, uh, first bit of April, end of March, and then you couple that with rains, then the streams really pump up the volume, and then when that cold water blasts in, and it's actually warm water goes into the lake, then the streams, the fish are attracted to that blast of water, and they run literally up, way up into the hills. There are some tributary streams that have resident migratory fish in the spring that will go up there gigantic huge fish in these tiny tiny little streams and they go up there to mate and reproduce and then the offspring will stay in the stream hmm. and uh, certainly in the cases on some of the lakes that have migratory salmon the, the years ago the salmon had to stay in there for you know most of the year before they actually went back out to the lake oh. um, so this is a a long-term cultural thing where the, we've got names for stuff. For instance, we have a Salmon Creek on Kuga Lake here, and it's because of the salmon runs that were native to the, the native salmon here was where those uh, names came from. Right, right.
0: So if if you were going to fish the Wasco um, Lake area, there we've got the feeder tributaries coming in, uh, we've got the lake itself, and so forth. What would your Personal approach be to fishing that lake, um, both you know during the run and also you know the rest of the year. Well, normally what I'll do is I uh, put in at
1: there's I have a small paddle boat so I have a solo canoe and I'll put in I can put the uh, canoe and there's a a launch at the uh, bottom of the lake and you can fish in the estuary. So you can fish right around in the bay, which is a kind of a wetlands area, or you can fish where the stream comes in, and then you can paddle quite a ways up in there. Uh, some of that's pretty tight, so if you had a large boat, that would be difficult to fish. Uh, so the approach to do is in the spring is what I do often is I wade the different areas. I fish the deeper pools, and I'm fishing larger tackle with streamers, and I might use a sink tip. Now, out in the lake, we typically use a a clear intermediate line, and then we use streamers. And what we're doing is trying to fish for structures, or we'll fish where creeks come in. Some of the creeks you don't see will come off the sides of the gorges and the hills, and then we'll create a pathway, and the fish will run to that little spot. And so we'll fish some of those pockets. Uh, For instance, a popular place on Cayuga Lake is over at the Girl Scout camp, where the Girl Scouts have a summer camp and then they have a little estuary and a beach there and that's uh, the fish come in there because of their there's a a place that they can hold and uh, they'll run up into those pools so in the spring we'll fish a lot of these inlet areas uh, a lot of times from boats and we'll fish with streamers and intermediate tackle uh, intermediate lines and uh, larger flies the flies that we fish are not gigantic long flies they would be like size Two, four, six—that kind of thing. A lot of the baits that you have, they have what they call Cisco's and Alewives. Are the, a lot of the minnows are kind of greenbacked with a white belly. Some of them are kind of olives. So chartreuse's, olives, and then white brown mixes are always good for bait fish patterns. So, and what flies do you do you use? Uh, usually twos or fours. You know, we're using oh, smaller I mean, minnows. Uh, patterns. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're fishing. You know, I would say, Clousers you know, they're large trout flies, but they're not gigantic. You know, articulated things like like Clousers or
0: deceivers.
1: Or yeah, we have Uh, Clousers. uh There's a uh, a pattern called the Whistler that we fish. Uh, there's some glass minnow type of patterns. Some of them are deer hair, cone head, muddler combinations. Um, we certainly fish woolly buggers, uh, egg-sucking leeches. The main thing is you want to fish, um, on the migratory fish, you want to fish streamers. And in the spring run fish, then we might fish nymphs. Uh, certainly you've got uh, large stone flies, and then there's a unique one. Uh, there's dobson fly larvae, which are quite large, or about the size of your pinky, and um, those are things that we fish. Uh, so. You've got stone flies, minnows and dobson fly larvae, and then certainly eggs. People try to fish those as well..
0: Mm-hmm. So um, are you, um, when you're fishing up these streams that you can get your, your boat into, um, are you uh, doing drift fishing or are you getting is, is all the fishing done from the boat? Uh, usually in the
1: lake, you have to fish with the trolling motor, and then you, um, we don't really set an anchor, you just kind of drift into, you set out, and then you drift into the uh, area along the shores. Um, drip boats don't really work here. There can be a big surf and a very high winds that come in, so actually most of the boats are kind of pointed with real steep sides that are used out in the lake. Um, typical bass boats, have the, the sides are too shallow and you would have issues with uh, with those not doing real well if the wind came up.
0: Okay. Okay. All
1: right.
0: Um, now, have you personally developed flies for uh, steamers and so forth?
1: Is this um, I've developed a series of things over time, there's uh, stream flies, which are more oriented towards stream trout, and then I have some lake-type patterns, and then I have some patterns that are used in conjunction with certain things. On the next lake over there, uh, Skinny Atlas Lake, has the brown drake hatch, which is starting this week. Um, I developed three or four patterns to work with the brown drakes. So I have a immature you know, larva fly, then I have a drifting fly, and then I have dry flies. And the challenge becomes, working over there, is that Uh, You can have a lot of, there can be a whole carpet full of bugs across Skinny Atlas Lake and then the fish won't respond to that because the water could be cold. They may come up and grab them or you could have no bugs and then fish rising. So uh, what they're actually feeding on is the larvae of the bugs that haven't hatched. So you have to have three or four different things and then you have a tiny window over there where you've got about maybe an hour, 45 minutes where it's really good with the light. Uh, to balance the light, and then it gets too dark. So a lot of times people fish skinny atlas. For the bug hatch, for the drakes, they fish that early in the morning. Uh, There's a kind of a stream that follows through the lake where they pull the water out, and the fish will follow along those paths. Sometimes you'll see them in the morning just sitting there in those little lanes feeding out in the middle of the lake.
0: So uh, since you moved on to skinny atlas, let's, uh, (laughs) let's talk about that lake then.
1: Uh um is the uh, uh, Water supply for Syracuse. Mm-hmm. And uh it's a, a shallower lake than Alasco and um it's more famed for the rainbows and then the Dray catch because it has a shallow dirt edge along the upper northern portion of that. The access on that lake is very, very difficult. You pretty much have to boat that thing. Um, And there's a boat launch either in the town of Scott or there's one right outside the town of Skinny Atlas that's a public launch. And then there is one kind of on the east side that you have to kind of scoot down the hill that's a not real handy boat launch, but you can hand launch a boat out of that. As far as wade fishing that, you can fish in the state park there, and you can launch a float tube, or you can put a kayak in, or certainly a canoe, and then fish along the edges there. And uh, you fish you know, from about 6.30, 7 o'clock until dark. So getting up there, getting the gear, getting set up, you've got a pretty tiny window. And then do the fish come out? Do the bugs come
0: out? That's the challenge. Um, do, um do you, uh, Since we, we keep talking about boats and stuff to fish uh, these areas, what, are there boat rentals available in the area? Or the types of um, There are at the different
1: marinas sometimes you can rent boats. Uh, there are places like in Ithaca that rent canoes. Um, I think the marinas do rent over at Owasco and perhaps over at Skinny the Atlas. There are a couple of lake guides that do specialize in taking people out in the lakes. Uh, you can fish the tributaries for Skinny Atlas. The two Skinny Atlas ones, the Skinny Atlas stream, the stream that comes on the north side, and then Grout Brook is the inlet down there in the town of Scott, and Grout Brook kind of meanders up to the back door of Cortland up there. So, if you're in the Cortland uh, corridor, you can run up and then fish the Grout Brook area, and there will be some resident fish in there that you can shore fish. Pretty much okay. all the year round.
0: So. Okay. So the getting back to the drake hatch, that's uh, that's a hatch that's happening on the lake. Uh, correct.
1: Yeah, yeah, it happens okay. right on the lake. It uh, goes for about three weeks. It's uh, there's actually three different species, if I remember right. Uh, they're more or less, you know, brown mayflies that are tens. You know, if okay, you're in a pinch, you can use uh, muddler minnow. Uh, and I think we've even tried mice before. Sometimes
0: those crazy things work. So and it's this time of year, June? Yeah. Yeah. June, yeah, yeah. Do you fish uh, like a dry dropper?
1: You know, with, uh, with fancy uh, Dry dropper can work. And you can try an intermediate line and then use uh, large nymphs like uh, Jack Gartside Sparrow nymph is a good one. Uh, you need a gray, real nondescript, you know, kind of soft tackle thing. Maybe some of the Murray's Helgramite things. If they were a light color, could work. But you do need a very large mayfly larva. Yeah. Uh, those are roughly about eighths and tens.
0: Okay. Now, other times of the year, when the hatch isn't on for the drakes, then uh, how would you fish this the atlas? There's a dock that goes to the town, right from Skinny
1: Atlas that reaches out, and a lot of times you can hang out on the dock at night and cast off the dock. I've done that before. Um, uh, there's certainly, you know, smallmouth to hang out there in the summer, and there, there's a lot of perch in these lakes. A lot of the perch are, you know, they're smallish fish, but they're still a lot of fun, and they'll they'll take flies. And uh, a lot of times you'll see fish come up and feed in the evenings, and uh, yeah, you can certainly fish from the shore up there uh, on the dock.
0: Right, but um, and then, then what about, I mean, assuming you have a boat or fishing these tributaries, uh, can you talk about those? That,
1: how you on Skinny Atlas, them? the tributaries get really small. And on Skinny Atlas, there's a, a I believe there's a dam that goes for the city water system. So the tribs would just have to be weighted. You couldn't really put a boat in there. You can kind of go up by some of that area, but getting a boat into that trib is really difficult. Now, on the far end of the lake where the inlet comes in is the town of Scott. There's a kind of a long canal that's dredged out, and uh, that can be boated, and you can also kayak that sides, and you can canoe it. So you can go in the town of Scott, and there's a boat launch there. And then you can go up and then fish the estuary and the sides of the shelf. There's pretty much most of the summer, there's small moth all along in the shelf in there. Um, and there may be five, six, eight feet deep. And you'll have to look for uh, weeds along the edges. And then you want to fish in front of the weeds. So you might want to use a sink tip or even a sinking line to pull in front of that weed growth.
0: Okay.
1: Is there a, uh, a run of rainbows? Um, The rainbow run on Skinny Atlas is quite famous. The grout brook one used to be real extensive. Um, They've had some problems. We've had a lot of problems in this area with zebra mussels that have really screwed up the kind of balance of some of things. So some of the migratory fishing has been better in some years than other years. There is a spring run of rainbows that do go up into grout brook, and so there are people that do fish that uh, right early in the spring.
0: um, you mentioned the mussels. Do you have restrictions on uh, types of soles for your wading boots? Uh, No. We actually have more restrictions
1: on the boats. They're real interested in having you wash your boats if you jump between lakes. Um, What they don't want you to do is fill up um, uh, live wells and then carry plants and stuff around. Uh, We don't really have restrictions on any boots or anything like that. Um, The bigger issue would be you know, if you transport some of the plants or then flush stuff, then that's where a lot of this happened. We're we're connected in the Erie Canal with a lot of the Finger Lakes, and then that is connected to the Great Lakes. So you can actually start in Ithaca and boat all the way out to the ocean if you wanted to. So that's how the zebra mussels got into the system as they got introduced up in the lakes from people flushing bilges up in the lakes, and then eventually they worked their way down. Oh. And um, over the years, we've had some pretty strange things. Like we had a run of uh, koi fish. They were giant, you know, Japanese koi fish, and we weren't sure where those came from. And, <laughs> and there were koi outbreak, uh, huh? Yeah, yeah, they're big white and gold marbled uh, fish that were, you know, they were there for a while. We haven't seen those for a bit. And then we had Baltic rug ruds, and nobody knows what those were. They were kind of these. Orange tiger barb things that showed up for a while, and those haven't been around for a bit.
0: But yeah, uh, I know. Uh, this you know, past summer we went to Yellowstone uh, National Park, and there they have a restriction: no felt, uh, sole boots. Uh, has to be rubber, uh, so that's why I was asking about the boots. So some parts
1: of the country. Yeah, yeah, we don't have any. Re- um, there are restrictions about people that use bait because of the there's a virus that was transmitted by the bait. So it has to come from a certified New York State bait dealer, I believe. But I don't fish any of that, so I really yeah. don't know. Yeah, right,
0: right. Okay, let's take another quick break here, Mike, and uh, we'll be back and talk more about the Finger Lakes region of New York. Watermaster is dedicated to providing their customers with the highest quality inflatables on the market, as well as unbeatable customer service and product support. They are best known for their signature products, the Watermaster Grizzly and Kodiak rafts. These rafts are lightweight, compact, durable, versatile, and safe. The Watermaster rafts are everything your personal watercraft should be. They have been used by anglers and hunters all over the world for over 15 years, including Dave Whitlock, one of fly fishing's greatest innovators. Dave said, with my Watermaster, I can enjoy more fishing per hour than any other method I have ever tried. After two and a half years of testing 15 models of kickboats, I'm convinced that the Watermaster is the ultimate personal flotation craft for warm and cold water fly fishing. Visit Watermaster today and take a look at the ultimate personal flotation craft. Go to BigSkyInflatables.com. Again, that's BigSkyInflatables.com. You're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing, internet radio, and we're talking with Mike Hogue about fly fishing in the Finger Lakes region of New York. If you'd like to ask Mike a question, just go to our home page. Use that Q&A text box and send us your question. We'll try to get it answered uh, tonight on the show. OK, Mike, so um, any particular uh, difference in flies, other than the, uh, the brown drakes, of course, but uh, outside of that uh, for, for this lake? Uh, would you suggest any, any patterns? Well, the main
1: thing is the bait forage. If you look at the what they call, there's alewives and saw bellies. A lot of these have green backs. A lot of them have white bellies. And um, so we're looking at green, white combinations. Sometimes even lavender works really well. Um, the baits are not particularly large. And when you're out in the lake, there'll be, uh, you'll see pods of them on a lot of the computers. If you're looking on a computer, you'll see bait balls and pods of the, the bait. And so the fish will bust through there. And you'll see different fish chasing those a lot of times on the computer. Um, that's one of the main forages. And then, as I said, uh, in the streams, then you certainly have insects. And then uh, with the migratory fish, for instance, like the rainbows, they'll come in and run. And then they'll lay eggs. Or there'll be suckers that come in and lay sucker spawn, and a lot of times the browns and the salmon will feed on those. So people are fishing actually a lot of egg patterns, and those do make a lot of sense. Um, you know, aesthetically, from you know a fly tank standpoint, you think eggs are kind of ugly and weird and stuff like that. But that actually is an actual hatch because of the activity that's going on. Right. Um, and we certainly do have a lot of insect activity in the upper in the. Streams and the Freestone streams during the summer, we have all the normal hatches, you know, March Browns, Cahills, things of that nature. We have uh, some coffin flies here even, and uh, then we have a Finger Lake cicada that's very unique to this area that occurs um, during the summer. Usually, it starts like in July, and those will be hang around the trees and drop off, and uh, you know, the trout will pick those things up and. We've got a lot of gene bugs out, so really large beetles are really good patterns, really big ones.
0: Now, in both of these places, Lasco and Skinny Atlas, uh, you um, so the primary fish that you would target there would be rainbows. But now you just mentioned browns and, and salmon. Uh, so are they also in Skinny Atlas?
1: Uh, browns, salmon, and lake trout are more common in Cuga Lake. And that's the next lake over, which is the closest one that I live to. I'm kind of halfway between Owasco and Kuga. Cayuga. Cayuga is about five miles, and Owasco is about 15. But the stream is a little bit closer to me for Owosco. Um, On Kuga Lake, you have lake trout that come in. The lake trout uh, only come in certain, some of the streams actually in the lake have different characters. Like one stream will have salmon, one gets more lake trout. Some get more browns, and some get rainbows. And it kind of depends on the mix on the year, which one gets which. And it's kind of wacky, because you might be fishing for salmon in the fall, and then you catch a laker. Or then you're fishing for rainbows in the spring, and you catch a big brown. And then sometimes you can catch salmon, which, you know, those are primarily fall ones, but sometimes they'll come in in the spring. And then you've got suckers that run in. We've had migratory salmon that come in. And then the one year I had very strange, um the um oh kind of a catfish, you know, a little small um, uh catfish come in that were migratory and huh. that was totally strange but I was catching those things like crazy one time. So right now oh. there are some remnants of the migratory smallmouth still hanging out. Um, they were in Cuba like they came in oh the first bit of May and then uh there's still some of them hanging around. They're post-spawn now. And most of the larger ones have gone back to the stream. But there are still some, some of the migratory smallmouth in here. And some of those can be quite large. They're incredibly fierce fighters. You know, six, six, five, six pound smallmouths are insanely good fighters.
0: Yeah. Now, um, so when, when's the best time? Let's run through these different species for Cayuga Lake. Uh, you just mentioned smallmouth. What, what would you term the best time of year for? Um,
1: on smallmouth, I'd say from the first part of May up until first part of June, that's your your primary primary time. Is those three four weeks in there? Um, they'll they'll drop off about June fifteenth. They usually spawn in here about I'm going to say the tenth to fifteenth of May, somewhere in there. That's kind of a guess. Um, rainbows are the spring run. Those will actually start to come in in March, but our season doesn't open until April 1st, so a lot of times they'll come in and do the dance, but then you can't catch them because it's illegal fishing then. Yeah. Um, but the rainbows are the big spring run here, and uh, those would be primarily in, in March, and then that'll go on for about three weeks, and then it'll drop off usually when the suckers start to move in, then that's when the rainbows are dropped off. And then when the suckers drop off, of course, then that's when the smallmouth start to pick up a little bit.
0: So you might get and, some uh, rainbows at the beginning of April right at the opening
1: season. Yeah, right at opening season. A lot of people are real anxious to get right out. You know, if there's been good rains and good snow runoff, they want to run, run out and fish the rainbow run.
0: Now, and, uh, these both the smallmouth and the rainbows, um, how are you fishing those? Are, are we fishing the, the tributaries? Are we fishing uh, the mouths of the tributaries?
1: Um, some of the trips, you fish, you can fish out to a kind of an estuary that extends uh, out into the lake. There's a kind of a plain on one area you can fish. Sometimes you can go right in the estuary. Sometimes you can walk the beach where there's some little inlet streams. Sometimes there's little, um, oh, I'm going to call them just, you know, they'll be like single little runners that jump off the side of the hills that come in and then it creates a pool and then they'll jump into that little... Pool areas along there. So a lot of times, if you can walk the beach, a lot of folks will start in the railroad tracks and then you know walk the railroad tracks and just jump out and then fish little pools here and there in the lake. Um, that's a way to way to do that. Uh, you, so like you can fish the, the tributaries, you can fish the lake, and then you can fish the mouth of the actual stream.
0: Yeah, and how far up the the stream can you go fishing? Um. It depends on the stream. Some of them go
1: anywhere from maybe like a mile, some of them are maybe three miles, and then some of them are very short. One is really, really short where it's only about a half a mile, and then there's a, everything is to the first barrier fall. So with all the finger lakes, you have to think of a punch bowl. You have the side of the bowl, and then you have the top of the bowl. And the side of the bowl, the fish are going to run up to the, hit the side, and they can't go up above the, the bowl. And then the fish that are in the top stay above the bowl. So um, that's kind of kind of a weird way of thinking about it. But you know, you can fish right up to that first barrier falls, and then that's usually where they quit because they can't climb up that's the falls. On
0: that's where your uh, your migratory fish are going to stop. So so you can fish yeah. and wade fish anywhere up these these streams that are coming in. Um, yeah. You can start down
1: by the lake and then walk all the way up to the falls on a couple of them, and it's yep. a pretty long walk. Um, you know, you got a lot of rocky ground to cover, and um, some holes right. are better than other ones, and then some are kind of straight stretches, which you kind of just want to walk through that really don't hold to fish too well.
0: Right, right. And then we also have, you um, said, in Cayuga Browns as well. And those are fall run, right? Uh, the Browns are fall runs. The Browns. We aren't quite as
1: strong as probably the salmon and the Lakers. Uh, there are browns out there that do show up, and then we do pick up browns in the spring, believe it or not. But usually those are trailing after the rainbows. You know that they'll trail in, and I, I've caught big browns in the spring too. And we've caught salmon that have come up. You know to feed on some of this stuff too. Salmon are very voracious eaters, so you know they're predatory fish and they'll eat eggs and they'll eat. Fish fry and small bait and stuff like that too. So
0: you can at any point in time get some crossover between
1: species. Yeah, you can you can be out fishing for rainbows and then hook two salmon, or you can fish be fishing and catch browns and then you're fishing for Lakers and the salmon might show up. You don't. A lot of times you don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now um, uh, the salmon. When when did the salmon run?
1: Well, if you have to mark your calendar, they always say Columbus Day, and probably I'm going to get hate mail about this, but usually Columbus Day is your best day if you had to pick to get salmon. You know, people will start calling in September for salmon, but you got to have three things happen. It's got to get cold, so we've got to get a freezing cold weather, and you have to get rain, and then it has to get cold and stay cold. And usually that happens when deer season opens. We have what we call a deer rain, you know, deer season rain where the, you know, guys are out hunting and it's colder than bejesus when they're deer hunting. <laughs> and, and that's usually when the salmon start to kick in.
0: Okay.
1: And uh, it can go for two, three, four weeks sometimes. And a lot of it just depends if you get, we keep getting rains. We're we're not like uh, an area like Pulaski uh, further north of us that has uh, tailwaters. They're coming off dams. we all freestone natural spring uh, streams, and so most of these don't have any dams or anything in there. And unless there's rains, you know, the fish are going to hang out in the lake and stay out in the lake.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then, uh, and then you're fishing the salmon as you would the rainbows or the smallmouth, either. Uh, at the yeah, you are going to fish streamers
1: with sink tips, intermediate lines. Um, woolly buggers, eggs, stoneflies, all of those things work really well. Our flies tend to be smaller on salmon and then less colorful than Great Lakes flies. Great Lakes flies usually have these gaudy things of purples and chartreuses and hot orange, blues, and uh, black and hot pink and black and orange and dark purple. All of those are very, very good colors here. And also our flies are sized a little bit smaller so the salmon flies that we fish are typically, you know, maybe a four instead of a two or a six or an eight instead of a four or something like that.
0: Okay. What um what kind of salmon are these?
1: Uh, these are Atlantic salmon and these Atlantic. we used to have our own unique specific Cuga salmon, um species, and the zebra mussels are really followed this up. These are all put and take guys now, Um, but they are, uh, uh, what they do is we have a fish ladder in town and the state gathers the stock from the lake and then they reintroduce that back into the hatchery. And uh, so we have a fish ladder, the fish will come into one stream and then they'll try to climb the ladder and get trapped in there and that's when they pull out the stock. And that at a certain point in time, they'll open the ladders to allow the fish to migrate. And um, so the salmon are uh, uh, Cuga stock Atlantic salmon. And those are bred up at the Tunis um, hatchery up at Cortland, And then they're reintroduced back into the lake at, um, usually they put them in over at Trumansburg, over
0: there in the marina. Now, so now do do some of those salmon hold over?
1: Oh, yeah. The salmon can go for seven, eight years. Um, these are totally different than Pacific salmon. They're smaller, so they have a round head, and then they have a kind of a forky tail, pointy tail. The Great Lake salmon are last about three years, and they come in and mate and reproduce, and that's it, they're dead, and they die yeah. in the stream. And these guys come in, and they try to reproduce, they're not really successful, and then they run back out. The issues that we have about reproduction tend to be related to zebra mussels, and they have a thing called thiamines, where they don't have the, the mojo to really lay the eggs and do the dance and all that stuff. I don't know. It's pretty complicated. But the crux of it is is we don't have much natural
0: reproduction now compared to what we did. So you take the eggs at the fish ladder and then uh, and then reproduce them in the hatchery and then bring them back.
1: Yeah, and then what they'll do sometimes too is they were injecting fish with thiamine and then releasing those guys to see if they would get go, and uh, that was really not too successful. But they're mostly catching the fish and then trapping the eggs and then uh, reproducing the eggs in a hatchery situation.
0: Okay, okay, let's uh, let's take a minute and talk about um, Lake Trout. Um, so when when do they come up into the shallows? Well, the lake trout are kind of weird because they'll sort of come in with the
1: salmon, and then there's one they might only come in in one area and don't come in the other. I think it's because of the shelf. They usually come into Salmon creek. They usually don't come into Fall Creek. And the Lakers are really weird because they're usually in the deep holes. And the one year I was fishing for salmon, and I hooked into a laker, I was it was that was thirty four inch fish, Roger. That was huge fish. Wow. and I landed that sucker, and then I released him, and then a fish turned in there that was even bigger than that fish, and that was a brown, and I totally did not <laughs> even. I mean, that one just scared the crap out of me. I'm letting this fish go, and then all of a sudden something that looks like a trash bag turns in the water. That was not a lake trout. That was a brown, wow. and I totally missed that one because I spooked him. I'm waiting there waiting and letting the fish go, and bam, it's gone. So, you know, those are the ones that, you know, you kind of hold your breath because they are just so beastly big. And the yeah. Lakers are hoot because those things, they you think you got this kind of like weird brook trout and it's not, it's a laker. I mean they're beautiful fish and lake trout are not well thought of because they eat the salmon fry, and they're you know some people think they're kind of the garbage trout of the trout world and this and that and people I don't know it, and honestly lake trout are beautiful fish they're really cool, yeah. Um, yeah. and they are very difficult to catch on flies. If you're going to be a lake trout fisherman, you have to be really fierce if you're going to do that all the time. So, how would you go about that? Are
0: they are they sitting up on the shelves? Is that I know a lot uh, There's of a little places.
1: shelf, and they sit at like 60, 80, 90 feet. And then they'll come up and feed in either sometimes early in the morning. Um, They'll come in and chase bugs or chase bait on one side of the lake and sometimes they'll come in and there's a surf and you can kind of fish them when it's cold. They'll come up and feed tight to the shore. And uh, there can be a really brisk wind with a big surf coming off the lake and then you're out casting. And, you know, imagine, first of all, you're in a kind of semi-gorge area where it's shaded so you have wind and then you have a surf and then it's blasting you in the face. It's like getting shot with... uh, you know, sleet and freezing rain and all of that, and then of course that would be the typically really good day to be lake trout fishing. So, um, but you know, you're rewarded for that because usually if you catch one, they're just insanely big. So. Um, yeah. yeah. But that's kind of a local game of guys are coming from out of town to try that. That is really ridiculously hard to time. You could go out yeah. ten days in a row and catch nothing, and then one day you'll hit it, and then you'll catch you know five or ten really big brutes. So. Yeah. Um, that can happen.
0: So you fishing streamers? Are you?
1: it's um, uh, that's, it. that's all streamers. It has to be streamers. Those oh. would not feed on dry flies at all, I don't think. I've seen guys try to chase them in the summer. They'll come up and feed in the tight to the shore and chase some of the main flies and the dobsons and the dragonflies and stuff like that in the in the shallows, but trying to catch those things on dry flies, we've tried that before, and uh, that will really try your patience. If you think you're a good dry fly fisherman, you try fishing for lake trout with a dry fly. That is really <laughs> impossible to do. <laughs> I did yeah, that a see. couple times, and I, yes. Yeah, so, and it'll, you'll see these things just rising and they're feeding, and you're like, oh my god, these are insane. And then, of course, try to catch
0: them, and that never happening. So, yeah. Now. Um are you, when you're fishing with the lake trout, is it uh, sight fishing, or are you blind casting, or what's the norm? Uh Pretty
1: much you have to just, it's blind fishing, and you're fishing into the uh, uh, pockets, and you're fishing into pools, and you're fishing at times of the year. So usually, that is more of, a of I would say, a late fall, winter activity, really, to get those guys into the shallows. Because in the summer, in another couple weeks, they're going to be really, really deep, and you can't really fly fish for them. Yeah. Um, you know they'll be hanging out at eighty, ninety, hundred feet, and we've tried sinking lines and dragging things around, and that's just you know that's a good way to burn up gas. Is about it. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, and most of the time you time, even when they're in the shallow area, you're fishing sinking lines.
1: Yeah, you'd have to. You really intermediate is your ticket there, and you have to pull okay. it down below the surf, and you want the intermediate because that water is ridiculously clear, and you'll spook the fish with. Um, different colors of lines, believe it or not, will put them right down. And we've seen that where you cast over the top of them, and then, boom, they're gone. Yeah,
0: interesting, interesting. Okay. good, good. Let's uh, take another quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll finish up with uh, Seneca and uh, and a few other questions that have come in here. So uh, hang tight. We'll be right back. Fly Fishers International needs your support. Its conservation projects at both the national and club level are addressing critical issues of importance to fly fishers. The organization provides grants to help with restoration of habitats like Wolf Creek in Idaho and Sands Creek in Delaware County, New York, and funds projects that collect valuable data about fish and their habitats like the Peacock Bass Study in Miami, Florida. FFI's core values remain unchanged to serve as a strong advocate for fly fishing in all waters for all fish, to preserve and promote the arts of fly casting and fly tying, and to help ensure future generations can continue to enjoy these one-of-a-kind experiences. These efforts won't be nearly as effective without your help. If you're not already a member, we invite you to join Fly Fishers International as they work to cultivate conservation, education, and community within the sport of fly fishing. Join Fly Fishers International today and help support their fine work. For more information, go to their website at flyfishersinternational.org. That's flyfishersinternational.org you're listening to Ask About Fly Fishing Internet Radio, we're talking with Mike Hogue about fly fishing the Finger Lakes region of New York. If you'd like to ask Mike a question, just go to our home page at askaboutflyfishing.com and use the Q&A text box to send us your question. We'll receive your questions immediately, and we'll try to answer them on the show tonight. OK, Mike. Um, we did have a couple of other uh, kind of random questions. Let me just uh, hit those. Uh, oh. Uh, Ron Urban in Kingston says, Mike, just wondering if there's one place to go to find fishing reports, or do you have to go to each lake uh, uh, reports for different from different sources?
1: Well, that one trouble is this is a really large territory, and there's so many different communities, and it's really fragmented. So to get really good internet reports is pretty difficult. There used to be a thing run through the newspapers, and that's pretty much gone. But there is a uh, report that's done by the DEC on the DEC website. The DEC is the Department of Environmental Conservation. It's a state of New York website. So there is a resource in there where people can look at that, of the activity, and who's doing what, and where. It tends to be a lot of things about trolling and bait fishing, but you can kind of plug in the pieces and see you know who's doing what, where.
0: Yeah, yeah. the. Um... Um, and, and maybe we should talk about that. We, we talk about these lakes, you know, the next lake over and the next lake over. But as you were telling me earlier, it's not necessarily easy to get from one lake to another,
1: right? No. What happens for me to go to Skinny Atlas? I have to drive around two lakes. There's no bridges, so you're going to drive all the, traverse the entire way on one side. So, for instance like to go to Watkins Glen, I have to drive down one side up the other side and then drive around the other bit. So it's you know, it's kind of quaint and it's colorful, but you know, there's a consequence for that. We don't have an interstate. There's not big cities here. There's no office towers here, you know. It's <laughs> yeah,
0: right. Well, so you you pretty much pick a lake and fish it for the day. It's not like you're going from one lake to another.
1: And, and no, you can't really jump up and go from one to the other to the other, and what happens is then there's different parts of the lake have different things. So so for instance, Kuga Lake right now, the warm water fishing will kick on, and they actually have bass tournaments up there with the regular you know, bass crowd. Um, that was one of their top bass lakes in the United States, and there's a uh, wetlands area up there, and it's a, a grass area, and so there's a lot of pike up there too, and guys go up there and fish pike up there. So those are areas that you can fish and different parts of the lake will have different personalities depending upon the depth and you know the sides and the shade and so on. So each one will have a little different personality and some of them we fish in the spring only, some we might fish more in the fall and then other areas we'll fish just the tributaries and then sometimes we're fishing the the upland areas
0: above the lake too. So why yeah. a little bit of everything there pike <laughs> I mentioned walleye earlier. So uh, uh, there's probably always something that's uh, on the bite, I would think, for the most
1: there's part. A, the one trouble I have with customers is that I have customers that are trout fishermen that only want to fish or trout in the stream. So they right. don't want to try other activities. Yeah. And then, like, they get a little taste of it when they catch salmon, and they go, that's really cool, what else can I do? And then, of course, then you try to get them, you know, interested in smallmouth, and then when they get addicted to the smallmouth, then they really want to just chase those, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh kind of goes that way. I know in the salt, too, if you, a lot of people want to go down, uh, you know, like the Belize and fish for permit, and... and uh, and there's only really many, many times, only a couple of times during the day that you can fish for those because they come up on the flats with the tide. And when that tide goes away, well, then there's no more permit fishing. So you've got to be ready to think about fishing for something else, you know, uh, if you want to be fishing. Otherwise, you just well, go back and take a nap. <laughs> you know? And that's what
1: I'm trying to educate customers about, is to try new things all the time, yeah. and to try different places, and to try different species I'll start fishing in the spring, and then I'll keep fishing all the way through the fall. And I don't stop, but I just shift gears, I shift tackle, and then I'll just jump onto to the next thing. So one thing drops off, and something else is picking up. So we're kind of transitioning in the seasons, but we're picking up into fishing smallmouth. Now the rainbows are pretty much done, and a lot of the bug hatches are going to drop off in another week or two, but then the other warm water fishing will get fantastic. Yeah. and. Uh, um, so you can keep fishing all the year round. But if you're strictly dedicated to just catching one species, if you're only brown trout fishing, well, maybe you only got you know, uh, six good weeks of fishing, or five weeks, or something like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and if you talk to people, I remember my son and I were in Colorado, and we were fishing the Taylor River. And, and the fishing wasn't that great. We were fishing for, for trout. And um, uh, we talked to someone, and they said, yeah, well, why don't you go to the East River? Uh, salmon are running over there, and uh, go give that a shot. We went over there. We just had a blast that day with these Coconys running up, and they were they were hitting them like crazy, and uh, it's something we never expected or didn't plan on, you know. So, yeah, I think if you keep an open mind, you you'll find find a lot of enjoyment out there. Uh,
1: maybe well, and you know, and if you start catching really big fish, I mean, that gets into your blood. That you know, you you know, get that burnt into your soul, then you get really dedicated to just wanting to catch big fish yeah, and then yeah. I try to convince folks that hey there's a whole nother world out here if you got a little three weight and a bunch of dry flies you know catching um, you know some of these crappies that are 12 inches long that's pretty fun with the little three weight so
0: yeah yeah there you go yeah yeah well, let's talk about uh, Seneca Lake it's the last one we're gonna hit uh, certainly we can't go through all 11 tonight but uh Uh, Tell us a little bit about maybe how Seneca is different than the other ones we've talked about. Well,
1: Seneca has a shoulder on the far side, and so it's a little bit more protected. Um, That's where all the wineries are concentrated on that south and western corridor primarily. There's wineries all over the place, but they like that because the wind and everything will go right over the top of them and kind of just skip and go straight across the lake. And so there's a corridor in there that's sheltered. Now um, Watkins Glen Racetrack is over there. And then uh, there's a gorge over there that's fantastic. The Watkins Glen Gorge to go through that is unbelievable. But the famous creek over there is Catherine's Creek. And that has the rainbow runs. And there's a large estuary. And the rainbows have run up in there. There are salmon, And I have friends that fish for salmon over at Seneca. Um, the salmon fishing has not been as good recently as what it had been in the past. Um, they think they don't really have a good, they don't, they don't really have a good answer for that why those salmon have dropped off and why it's not as good as it had been in the past. But, um, but there are you know that is a, a place you can try, and uh, there are certainly little tribs that come in at different points along. Some of the highways you can travel over there. There's little places that you can jump in and out where some of the little side streams and little feeder streams come in, and you can fish some of those points too.
0: Okay, okay. So uh, the salmon in in all these lakes are—it's totally determined by kind of the stocking that's going on and how how they're caring for that.
1: uh, Yeah, and they determine if, if there's the habitat and if the fish will hold, and then based on the studies, if when they stocked them the year before, did they come back and were you know, that kind of stuff. There's a I'm sure there's some kind of formula that they determine on how many to put where and all the all of that, but those are um hatchery issues that the
0: state sets those things, I think. Yeah, uh James in Wyoming uh, wrote into to us and he says I, I lived in Horseheads for several years in the early nineties he asks, is Catherine Creek still a fabulous fishery for rainbows running up from Seneca Lake in the spring? Also back then, nobody used standard fly fishing gear, but rather ran straight mono off a of fly reel and long limber fly rods. Has that changed? Uh, most most folks fished worms and egg sacks utilizing this rigging. Well, Catherine Creek in the
1: spring is not really what you would call a concern uh, a flight fishing environment okay I mean there's a lot of people fishing over there and they're using conventional tackle that first week of fishing wow. and what's ironic is you got all these guys want to run out there with a bucket grab a couple fish catch a big spawner and then they leave in a day or two well and there's only like a couple holes where those guys hang out but there is a whole multitude of other places to fish even within that same run so you can fish the run you can go a couple of days after the big crowd you can go upstream, you can go further back, you can go further up. You don't have to hang out with that bunch if you don't want to. So to answer his question, yep, those guys are still there. Do they still do that stuff? <laughs> Pretty sure, but that's not a kind of a crowd that I run with, so.
0: Um, yeah, it's kind of funny he mentions uh, straight mono off a fly reel and a long limber fly rod. That's like a description of uh, your own nymphing set up nowadays, you know? <laughs> I guess you can you yeah, that'd yeah. way to
1: describe your own nymphing. thing.
0: Yeah, I mean yeah. Because uh, a lot of guys are going to this, this uh, you know, this almost straight mono off the reel because they they're not they don't have any fly line out. You know, it's all leader, basically. Cause, so, well, uh, the, yeah. I think the reason
1: that they were doing with that is they were doing that noodle rod thing. So what they could do is bounce stuff with a lot of lead so they can bang it along the bottom and hook fish. And a lot of them are snagging them and stuff like that. So. Uh, that's kind of a whole different circus that I'm not really yeah. too thrilled about, but we certainly do have that. So,
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, um, another question. Scott DeMoss in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, wrote in. He says, I will be making a trip out to Ithaca region in the early fall. Some of these lakes hold what would be considered trophy class brown trout by any standard. Are these large brown trout attainable with a fly rod? I've seen many reports of them being caught 20 feet down and 20, uh, 25 feet of water. Any tips on addressing these fish specifically? Um, If he wants to target browns and big
1: browns, that's, oh man, that's a tough one. Really what happens is you have to get the other ones to come in first because they're following behind to pick up and then they start to spawn. And the spawners that we haven't caught really that many gigantic spawners. A lot of those, I think, actually must spawn out in the lake, but the ones in the stream uh, are few and far between, but there are certainly some big browns. Um, we don't get the browns like they do maybe over at Buffalo in the Orc- Oak Orchard area. That's a real famous uh, brown trout run, but uh, there are certainly some big ones, and people have caught a few. Um, I've popped a few, but they tend to be the ones I've caught have been out in the lake. I've broken off some pretty big ones out there. They'll surprise you because they'll come up and they'll they'll grab at something and then bam, you got your hands full. And if you're not ready, they're gone. So. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Did uh, what lake would you suggest he he fish in the fall if he was after? Um. Owosco will
1: have browns, and because uh, I've caught some stream browns in there that are pretty good size. And uh, there's certainly some in the of uh, the bottom end of Kuga, I would think.
0: OK, OK, all right, good. Um, Seneca Lake, too, has uh, streams coming in that, that you would fish as well, besides cat- uh, The main
1: one's the cat- Catherines Creek, which is the okay. inlet. Um, okay. That starts up in the hills and uh, runs down you know, through a bunch of different things. I think um, I'm trying to remember how that one runs now. But there is a, a one from Montour that cuts in there a different way too, and then some of it splits and goes a different direction. Um, it there is a uh, there is a stream run that does go into the bottom of the lake though.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, we got a question in here on the internet, Treg in uh, Moscow, Idaho. He says, has anybody started doing trout spay on the stream? I have a customer that
1: does that. The problem with the trout spay is you have to remember, okay, you're in a gorge and then there's a lot of trees. We're in a very heavily forested area. This is not like Idaho at all. So you don't have a lot of room to backcast, and you have a lot of tree cover. So long rods tend to do better in more open spaces. So to answer his question. Um, we have some people that use long rods but most of that stuff I think would be done more uh, kind of more on the lake side or in
0: some of the more open areas mm-hmm. okay and uh anything else about seneca lake that makes it special over the other lakes do you think you um the
1: ship, uh, the, the shoulder well, there but the- I think that the big difference is the rainbows in there. There's bigger rainbows and there's more of them. The population I think is higher on rainbows, but there are certainly a salmon over there too. I don't think that's as fish quite as heavily as Cougar Lake. Um, and the lake fishing over there right now, there's some strange problems over there with some of the the different species, and it's out of favor right now. So you know, with with huh. some of the boat crowd. Um, what does that mean? Well, that means that maybe that might create opportunities because there isn't quite as much pressure with people
0: taking fish out. So, Yeah. Now, the rainbows in, in all four of these lakes that we've talked about this evening, um, are they wild or are they all part of a stocking program?
1: I think primarily they're all wild fish. I don't okay. think rainbows are particularly stocked. Now I'm, somebody will probably call me out on that one, but I don't think rainbows are stocked. Brown trout are stocked, salmon are stocked, and I don't think Lakers are stocked. I really, I'm pretty sure those are
0: wild too. Yeah. Um, so the I'm Lakers g- are getting a bad rap all over the the country. <laughs> well, Lakers get yeah. a bad rap, and it's
1: kind of weird because they're really beautiful fish, and they're yeah. you know they're fierce fighters, and they're big and they're difficult yeah. to catch and if you really you know want to earn your stripes try catching you know big lake trout and doing it consistently and yeah. there's only a couple guys I know that can do that and they are fantastic fishermen
0: yeah I think out west here it's because uh, lake trout like to eat like 16-inch rainbows and cutthroats and things
1: like that well he, here they're getting the rap because they're they're praying they're eating the salmon you know, fry and then the immature salmon and stuff like that, and they're gorging up on the salmon. And um, you know, they're they're not favored because of the the salmon is more favored, I guess.
0: Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, good, good. Well, um, good. Uh, we're about ready to finish up here, Mike. So, any, any other closing comments? Anything you want to say about the Finger Lakes area up there as far as fly fishing goes? Um. We have a really
1: fantastic, beautiful area, and it's you know off the beaten path. Um, a lot of stuff you're going to have to work, and you know do your own thing because there is not a lot of public information. That's good and that's bad. Um, we'd like to have more people as, visit the area and more people participate in the fishery. I'd certainly like to help grow my business, but then we get local people who are truly offended when New Jersey license plates show up and stuff like that, and. Um, I don't know how you combat that. I'm a believer that if we talk about stuff, get people liking the fishery, wanting to be involved in the fishery, participating in it, you know, that they'll take care of it and they'll protect the resource. So the more people that we have that like the resource, they'll protect it for us. Um, You know, how I combat some of this, you know, attitude of, you know, local, uh, this would be only a local thing or other people can't participate in that, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so consequently, if I publish different things, then people are some people are offended, and then other people are saying, "Well, why don't you publish more?" But no, I, I can't. Yeah,
0: so. yeah. Well, it's kind of like that everywhere. If you if you have a special spot, you don't want any more people coming. But uh, but some of those special spots need the uh, income from tourism, and uh, uh, without it, there wouldn't be a special spot anymore. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's a catch-22, no doubt, uh, almost everywhere regarding that. Yeah. Well, good, well, well, the, well, wrap things, yeah,
1: go ahead. The other thing that's different maybe about this is we're considerably older than you know the western stuff. I mean, we're got a hundred plus years on you guys in terms of ownership and age and property and confusing laws and rights and then you complicate this with you know arcane stuff that the state of New York did eon ago that we're stuck with, and um. You know, coming from another region and moving to this, I'm always befuddled and puzzled by where the laws come from or people come from. I mean, I'll be smack dab in the middle of nowhere and still be in a traffic jam, and I'm in a rural area. (laughs) You know, that didn't happen in the Midwest, but we have, you know, 30% of the population crammed into this corridor out here, and there's a lot of people live in these regions. But I live in an isolated region within this area, so. Yeah, Uh, yeah
0: well, um, sounds like a wonderful, beautiful place to visit and fish and uh people need to get out there and take a look i think so uh hopefully this will help guide them a bit in uh in a journey out there so well, hang with me here, Mike. Uh, we've got a few more things to take care of here tonight, including uh giving away that uh two dozen of your flies that will work terrifically well in your area there, so uh so hang tight here, and uh, we'll also be giving away a one-year subscription to Fly Fishing and Tying Journal and a one-year membership to Fly Fishers International. So uh, stick with us just uh, a few more minutes. The Bristol Bay region of southwest Alaska is home to the largest runs of wild salmon on the planet and some of the best trophy rainbow trout fishing found anywhere. The pebble mine still remains a threat to this region, and 2 million acres of federal lands may also be at risk. The entire fly fishing industry is united in this epic conservation battle. English from across the country are joining the fight. Be one of them. Visit savebristolbay.org forward slash tellpresidenttrump. And there you'll learn how to, you can help out and get involved and uh, and hopefully save this fishery. Again, the, the URL is savebristolbay.org forward slash tellpresidenttrump. And just a quick reminder to everyone, before you leave our website tonight, please take a minute and give us your feedback about the show. You can find a link on our home page in the section of tonight's show that says, what do you think of this show? Just click on that link and leave your comments, and we really appreciate it. So now it's time to give away a few prizes. And uh, first thing, uh, oh, well, the, the winners from the drawings are randomly selected from our show's registration database. If you didn't register for tonight's show, it's too late now, but make sure you do so for the next show you don't miss out on a chance to win some of the great prizes we have to offer. Uh, if you are the lucky winner, um, we'll contact you after the show and provide you with information on how to get your prize. So. And the first thing we're going to give away is a uh, one-year membership to Fly Fishers International. To learn more about FFI, go to flyfishersinternational.org, a great uh, organization to be part of. If you don't win tonight, go over there and join. It's going to help all our fisheries, whether it's cold, warm, or salt. Uh, And uh, it's also an international organization, as you can tell by its name. So uh, check them out, flyfishersinternational.org. And uh, let's see, the database fired up here. And our winner for that is Bob Myers in Florida. Bob Myers in Florida. So congrats, Bob. I'm sure you'll enjoy your membership and uh, be part of the Flyfishers International group. And next up is a one-year subscription to the Fly Fishing and Tying Journal, which you can learn more about at amatobooks.com. Amato books, one of the, the big publishers of fly fishing and fishing uh, periodicals and, and uh, books out there. And uh, plenty, plenty of uh, books to choose from uh, for fly fishing. So check them out, amatobooks.com. And the winner for the, the Fly Fishing and Tying Journal subscription is Rob Urban. Rob Urban in New York. So, Rob, uh, thanks for playing and uh, registering. And uh, I'm glad uh, you are able to win that uh, subscription. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Uh, and now what we're going to do is give away uh, a couple dozen of Mike Hogue's flies. And, uh, and that uh, uh, is uh, also... Uh, courtesy of his fly shop, Badger Creek Fly Time. And um, and, uh, and Mike said that these are going to be in a nice little box for you and uh, all ready to to fish. So uh, here we go. I want to know, we talked about fishing for lake trout uh, in one particular lake more than others. Uh, and that's where we really spent time. What lake was that? What lake was that that we were talking about, fly fishing for lake trout? And uh, so now we'll see if that's uh, too tough of a, a question here, Mike, But because uh, we were kind of bouncing around with the lake trout. If that doesn't work, we'll try another one. Take takes a minute to hear me, because there's a, a pause, a delay in the, in the broadcast. And then we got to wait for them uh, to... Uh, the first one is Seneca. That wasn't the one I was thinking of. Uh, was it for you, Mike? I think we're no. Spending a lot more time on one of the other legs. So that's one down, three to go, guys. <laughs> Gals. Uh, skinny Atlas. Mm, I don't think so.
1: <laughs> Not
0: too much. No. Yeah. So... Uh, uh, let's see here. They wrote them all down there. They're gonna get them. Uh, 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 Washco. That was o We know what you mean, but that wasn't it either. So
1: Washco. Wow, we, well, we only got a, we got One left. One
0: left. <laughs> Uh, we're making it easy on somebody out there if they were taking notes, so, uh, uh, there we go, uh, Cayuga Lake, uh, uh, Carl Palmer in Rochester, New York, oh, a local. Uh, Carl, States, I know right? Carl. Oh, you right. know Carl? I do, <laughs> you I go. know Carl,
1: I know him, I haven't seen him well, for uh, a bit. He's,
0: Yeah, uh, well, Carl, you can, uh, let us know if you want to, uh, pick those flies up (laughs) at uh, Mike's shop or uh, have him send them to you. Let us know. But uh, uh, congratulations, Carl. And uh, you will make use of those flies, I'm sure. Um, Now, um, Carl, you need to send, in case you want those mailed to you, uh, you need to send your address, your mailing address to me. And you can send it in that same box that you just filled out uh, for the uh, the question. Uh, so just pop your, your your shipping address in there and we'll get those flies to you or make mention and say, hey, no, I'll come pick them up and uh, you can come visit with Mike uh, down there in Ithaca. So uh, uh, thanks so much for listening and paying attention or knowing the process of elimination very well. <laughs> One of those uh, reasons is the reason that you, uh, you won. So uh, congrats. and. Uh, Hey, Mike. Thank you so much for being on the show with us tonight. Um, I know it's uh, taking time out. Very late out there in New York, for sure. But thank you so much for being with us tonight, and sharing your knowledge.
1: Well, it was a wonderful uh, time to visit with you, Roger. And I hope lots of people learned uh, quite a bit about our area tonight. And maybe they'll uh, show up on my doorstep one day and want to go fish. So.
0: That's right. That's right. And if they do, if they do, uh, hey, people, be sure you you tell Mike you heard about it and uh, ask about fly fishing. Uh, so uh, great. Well, I hope they do, Mike, and uh, uh, have a great summer. Thanks a lot. Uh, hopefully, you've all heard and found out about our our archive on the website. If you haven't, just take a look at that link at the top line menu. It says podcast archive. You'll find all of our past shows there. Over 315 now. Uh, and you can search by uh, keyword, keyword phrase, and um, you know, like trout, lake trout, Dartmouth, Madison River. Uh, now you'll be able to search by finger lakes and so forth. So go out and explore. You'll be uh, wonderfully surprised about all the educational material that we've recorded over the years. So check it out. Uh, our next broadcast will be on July 1st, 7 p.m. Mountain, 9 p.m. Eastern. And on that show, I will interview Lee Hartman. And our topic for the show will be the Delaware River story. Uh, Lee is a professional guide and conservationist, and he'll take us on a journey through the natural and unnatural history of the Delaware River. Many consider the Delaware the best wild trout fishery east of the Mississippi, but it hasn't been easy to keep it that way. Learn why it's so important to protect this cold water fishery, and look forward to Lee sharing a few tips along the way about how to be successful fishing this great river. We'd like to thank Fly Fishers International, Amato Books, Douglas Outdoors, Baja Fly Fishing, and Watermaster for sponsoring our show tonight. And don't forget to visit our website, askaboutflyfishing.com, and make sure you're signed up to receive our announcements so you don't miss out on any of our future podcasts. Thanks for listening to Ask About Fly Fishing in the We hope you enjoyed the show. That's it. Good night, everyone, and good fishing.